This is the Property Solopreneur Podcast, and I'm Rachel Troughton. I'll be talking about everything you need to create wealth by building your portfolio in a sustainable and profitable way. I'll be sharing the realities of a property investing business. I'll talk bricks and mortar, buy to let, HMOs, flipping and planning game, as that's what we all enjoy doing. But I'll also share how to use good systems, processes, and find the right professionals to work with. In fact, everything that will enable you to become a successful property solopreneur. Hello, welcome to this episode. And this episode was inspired by somebody I met at a networking event who seriously shocked me. Because he was a property professional with letters after his name, and he also was a solopreneur who had his own portfolio. But it was a portfolio that was in dire straits. He was looking for a buyer because it had all gone wrong after 20 years. And it shouldn't have done. The answer to his problem was very, very simple had he put it in place as soon as he'd started. And that is a very, what I, well, it's what I flipply call my repair jam jar. Having a separate account that allows you to do repairs whenever you want with absolutely no stress. But, you know, there he was and I was very willing to have a conversation. He was, as I say, very stressed. He was on, uh, he wasn't on listening mode. He was very much on send. But he was actually giving out really good information to many of the newbies around him. So we had a long conversation for him to basically educate, by example, some of the things you should and shouldn't do. Now, he'd bought these about 20 years ago, most of his portfolio, really, really well. You know, he'd been really clever at finding the deals. They sounded fantastic and they were all cash flowing wonderfully because his problem wasn't cash flow. His problem was the fact that he could not afford to repair or keep his buildings going. And that was a very real problem. I said to him, what's causing you your problem? Because, you know, you're like me, you're probably thinking, I mean, how, how big could his repair bill be? But actually, when he started to talk, I realised that his attitude to repairs was probably quite different from mine. So one of the things he said was, with some sort of amazement, that, you know, as his tenants left, he was being expected by his letting agent to refresh them. Bit of paint, new carpet here and there, you know, little things to make sure that he got top dollar rent as as it went back on the market. Well, to me, that's the white noise of rental refreshing, you know, something the landlord knows is going to happen. Um, you, you, after a while, it doesn't matter how careful a family is that is living in, a, in or a, a, somebody living in your properties, there will always be damage. You can't expect people to live you know, with no damage at all. And some of the repairs I could really sympathise with because, you know, I experienced it too. And properties that I did 20 years ago, the um, damp wasps, they're all failing. Well, they will be because water tables move. To be quite honest, you know, the damp proofing that went in then was okay, but perhaps the plastering wasn't as good as it should have been. And these things need doing again and again, because also tenants have got much better reporting these things to councils and then you have to do it pretty fast. And, you know, the trouble was, he, as I say, got 20 buildings. So the the likelihood of a a boiler going every year was fairly high. But he also felt 
very, very aggrieved by the way the government was treating landlords. And I had total sympathy over this, but there is no good fighting these things. You know, you've just got to take them on the chin and just make sure you can cope with them. And his biggest bugbear was that he thought that rental accommodation had now got to a standard that was way out of kilter with what you would live in if you owned your own building. And to a degree, I sympathise, but that's by the by. And his view was that he was having to provide buildings for tenants that were bigger and better and safer than the one he lived in himself. Well, it's always been that way. That, you know, this isn't a change in legislation. It has always been this way. It's just that it's probably not been shouted about as much as it is now because it is perfectly OK to live in your own home if you own it in any way you seem fit. So if you want to live in squalor or if you want to blow up your family through dodgy wiring, you can do so. But you can't make those decisions for someone else. And that is what the rules and regulations are there for. Hence the fact that, you know, all these new um, you know, certificates for electricity and things have come in because it has been found that in rental property, some of them are less than wonderful. And he had unfortunately also never paid anything down. So all these houses still had full whack mortgages on them. And he viewed every single penny that came back in rents as being his personal drawings. Now, he actually had a full-time job. So the combination of full-time job and a jolly nice portfolio income meant that he lived a lovely lifestyle and he was not prepared to in any way bring his lifestyle down a notch or two. His was the best car in the car park. So you know, to a certain degree, he was a victim of his own actions. But he definitely also blamed the way he'd been taught. And I have to say, I thought about this and I thought, well, you know, we're the best one in the world. If he started this 20 years ago and I asked him whose course he'd been on and they, I remember them because I was around there, but they no longer functioned. They went bust. So if you, you know, surely he would have realised that there was something wrong with how he'd been taught and that perhaps he should do a bit of pivoting and learning something new. But he didn't go to networking meetings. He was very new to all of this in 20 years. So he had not heard all the different ideas and made decisions for himself. And he felt that when you go on a training course, they should tell you every single possibility that could go wrong. What you can't see into the future. And nor can you, someone who, who does mentor, nor can you make somebody do something. I always teach people that they will have to pay down. I mean, yes, interest rates will, to a certain degree, alleviate the problem. But there is that bugbear called mortgage rates who will always cause a problem to you. So paying down does help. So he felt this wasn't really all his fault. And most of all, he blamed his tenants because they were the ones creating the damage that he was now having to pay for. So we glossed over the bit about the fact that tenants are those marvellous people, whatever you think about them, who actually pay all the bills and pay your mortgage. And we had a very nice discussion about the fact that, you know, all these repairs, they don't happen evenly across the year. No, they all come at once. That, to a certain degree, is probably autumn time. You know, when you all start switching on the heatings, the boilers all fail, curtains fall down, you know, all that kind of stuff happens. And also, people cook differently. So, but, you know, all the plumbing gets clogged up and things like that when they start to have hot meals again. And so you, it's an unwritten rule of property, whether you own one or a hundred, the bills will always arrive when the cash flow is tight. I don't know how it happens, but it always does. And they always happen in clusters. And I think that is to a certain degree, because if you think about it logically, and you are a tenant, say in a single let, 
and something goes wrong, but it's not really an inconvenience. You're not going to stay in for a morning whilst the man comes. No, you're going to save them up, aren't you? Even if you only have to do it every 12 weeks or so. So they will all happen in clusters. And I know that things like boilers always go in the autumn. I 15 years ago, I, I built four semi-detached houses. And I remember laughing with the plumber at the time, going, you know, it'll be very funny, won't it? Ha ha. If all these boilers go at once, it'll be a very expensive week. Well, I can tell you, those boilers did all go. And what's really, really annoying about it was they waited until we were just out of warranty and then they all broke within a week, week and a half. And that's a te- roughly a 10 grand repair bill. Now, those four houses only brought in two and a half grand, well, they still do, two and a half grand per month. So unless I'd had my handy little jam jar to hand, that would have been a very difficult build. And this is where I think it's so important to be relaxed about your jam jar because you want to be dealing with repairs as really uninterested. You know, it's not a problem. So I like to hear what's happened from my agent, whether it's an email or whether it's a phone call. And one year, one of my flats had a fire and a flood. So you know, it was really quite a few conversations I had with that, that agent. But the quotes came in again, just read them, decided which one. The work was done as soon as possible. The invoices are sent to me and they're paid within 24 hours so I can just get them out of the way. I don't want any worries. This is not an excitement. I don't want to be involved in this. I want no impact on my cash flow whatsoever because my cash flow is for today's excitement. And I want no impact on my tenant because my tenant, if they move out, then I've got a problem and I've got to avoid. don't want that. So no impact on my tenant. I just want calm so that I can then get on with my day-to-day stuff. The reality is repairs are part and parcel of a normal working portfolio. You can't have a lettings portfolio without repairs. Now, when I set up my business all those years ago, I'm very visual. So I drew jam jars on my financial organogram and I call them a variety of things, but this is my repair jam jar. And it keeps everything very separate in my mind. I don't like keeping everything together in one enormous soup because I can't work out. I I feel very cramped and it stresses me if I have a large sum in a bank balance that's got to go in and out. I just want to know that the money is there and it's very easy for me to pay out. And my portfolio is established so that 10% of every rent every month goes into that jam jar. And it's set up automatically, but you can do it, you know, by yourself. But that's a chore. I'm a great believer in things to be automated so I can do other exciting things now. Because repairs are unavoidable and cannot be planned. The upgrades and, you know, your work that is in the pipeline can be. So I know how much that is going to be. And over the year... I know roughly how much I'm going to have to spend. I always make sure that my jam jar has much more in it than I need. But I have a conversation with myself once a year when I go, well, what is going to be uh, there? What, you know, I do a quick pestle and I know what my legal upgrades are going to be. And for instance, this year, I know that although the cost of labour hasn't increased, the costs of the the actual items for repairs have so they've some some cases they've gone up three times. So I've had to put a lot more aside. But there is a point if you've got a big portfolio and it's paying 10% right across the board that you're going to overflow your jam jar. Well, that's fine. Just scoop it off and use it for something else. I use mine for paying down my mortgages. It goes into another jam jar. But it always means that I have what I need to do what I need when I'm asked. Because I don't want stress and bother. 
I want to make it very easy for myself and I want to make sure that I never have a conversation with a tenant that is going to be awkward or difficult because I've got a contract with that tenant that says you're going to pay me rent and for that I'm going to keep your house in order. Now, I know what it was like to be on the other side. I lived in 19 different quarters when we were in the army. And I thought very much if something went wrong, I picked up the phone and I expected a, you know, someone to be around there pretty damn quick to sort things out. And consequently, I got used to the concept which they worked under, and I've implemented this in my portfolio, where my tenants know what I will do in 24 hours, what constitutes an emergency, and I will get that repaired in 24 hours. What constitutes a has to be done this week, a seven-day repair. Anything after that goes to 28-day repairs. And there are some things which I know don't need repairing. Yes, they're annoying. You know, they've made a mess or they've burnt a hole in the carpet. Well, I'm not going to run and give them a new carpet. We'll just come to a, a conversation about the fact we'll deal with that when you move out. So I've put into place things that are going to soothe out all the problems from, from a mismatch in ideas on both sides. And I think that's the way forward for making sure that you can do what you want, because I'm in it, like many of us, for the fun, as well as, of course, for the fact that it's enormously profitable. But I don't want to be roaming around talking about buildings that I did 20 years ago from an annoyance factor when I've got something really exciting and wonderful to do now that I want to have all my attention on. So jam jars, really boring things to be talking about, but my word, they make a difference to what you can do on a day-to-day. -day. makes life so easy. And, I, you know, a lot of people do call me fundamentally lazy in that I only like to do things once. Well, I believe that repairs and upgrades shouldn't cause me any stress. It's a necessary requirement of being a landlord. So I've just got to suck it up and make sure that I've put a system in place that allows me to do it with no problems. And I think if your jam jar is constantly filled and is constantly giving you the excess for other activities, which could be very nice, thank you very much, and it removes the stress or the financial worry from all those calls and emails from the agent or a tenant, and it allows you to concentrate on the now current project, which is just firing you in all directions, and it protects your current cash flow, which, as we know, is vital. If you do all that, you'll be a wildly successful property solopreneur. Thank you for listening to the Property Solopreneur podcast with Rachel Troughton. If you want to create a professional and profitable property business, download my property business checklist now at racheltroughton.com slash checklist.